following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. College Football Week 12 edition with my Wise Guy Roundtable. To my right, Brad Powers. In front of me, Ken Thompson. To my left, we could say special guest, but he's the response has been so good. Let's call him steady now, Steve Fezzik from the NFL Dream Preview. Guys, what a show. What a show. Now, if you just look at the schedule and you're not a batter, you might say, ah, not a good week for college football. Doesn't mean there's not a lot of good bets. For the first time ever, we've got a quadruple-like. What does that even mean? That means the exact same game, Fez. Ken and Brad and the smart money is on the same game. We also have three best bets. We've got two pros versus Joe's. We got a crossfire, all kind of goodies. Another two double likes actually, but first always Brad versus the world. Brad makes his power ratings. I mean, talk about ego. He does all 130 teams to the hundredth of a point. I mean, ego, I guess you got to have it to win long-term and Ken, the AP and Fez get to disagree. We go one game at a time. Ken, I don't have any idea who you might think is overrated here. <laughs> well, I do it just to uh, kind of start the show off on the right foot there. And again, Ohio state rated number three. Here's the thing. I mean, when I watch, right, so let's set the context. Right, go ahead. Brad has them three. You've I, got them nine. Okay. Okay. And, and here's the thing. I mean, when I'm watching, major league baseball games. And I see a manager bring his closer in and then can't get anybody out. First four guys, he walks the bases loaded and then gives up. And I'm like, why do you have to stay with the closer? Is this because he's labeled a closer? I'm the same thing here. My analogy is why do you have to stay with the Buckeyes up so high? There was a mistake made at the beginning of the year where this team's power rating was by far too high. And so I understand you, you don't want to move them down too much in any given week. But there's no reason that this team should have been as high as they were. And it was evident after the Oklahoma game. And if it wasn't evident there, it was sure evident in Iowa City. Okay, you get a nice route of Michigan State. Big deal. We all knew they were overrated anyway. I just don't get it. This team, to me, belongs at number nine. I'll keep them inside the top ten. But there's six teams that I have rated above them. I got to say, that was one of the higher IQ Ken Thompson. He laid it yeah. out. And, and, and I think you're on to something in the following way. We've been talking about this on the Fox National show, which is the idea that when is a wise guy stubborn and, and when is he resolute, right? To, 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 I'll give Faz credit, right? He's been down on the bills the whole year. Guys like Mike Lombardi saying, oh, bills are top 10. Faz like, nope, average at best. And he was resolute or maybe stubborn, I guess, the winner dictates, right? Winner writes the history. Well, Buffalo's ended up being less good than many thought. So Fez wasn't stubborn. He was resolute. But I feel like that Sharps in general, especially public Sharps, meaning guys who come on shows like this with 
hundred plus thousand listeners and say, you know, I like X or I like Y is it's hard to back away. And to me, I think we've got to have the freedom to let them back away. And I'll give another example, Ken, and, and you don't do, we play your best bets pretty much every week on the Fox show from this. And by the way, that Fox show Pacific time now, 11 to 12 on Friday night, 11 to midnight and 10 to midnight on Saturday. So obviously three hours different on the East coast, 330 stations nationwide and Sirius channel 83. And I tweet out the show on my Twitter at RJ in Vegas the next morning, early, early. So a lot of ways to listen, but we were talking about Miami, Ken and Fez had talked for weeks and weeks about Miami being horribly, horribly overrated. Finally, he watched that game against Virginia tech. And he said, you know, something, this team's really good. It's just, I think they haven't been motivated. And to me, it was a one. It was like ripping off the bandaid, right? You don't have to keep defending Miami's no good. And thus when they won again and dominated Notre Dame, no one called Fez on it. Doesn't mean you always back off, but I, I think sharps are a little stubborn sometimes. Now, listen, you've got, Ken, a lot of really sharp guys on your show, which mm -hmm. you do here in Vegas, 7 to 9, uh, Pacific time, obviously, local show. Uh, every weekday, though, five days a week, 10 hours a week of good stuff there. Guys like Crackman, other sharp guys, do you find that they're stubborn? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and I respect that. I mean, I respect guys that are, uh, you know, making these power rankings. Like I, I give Brad a lot of credit. I mean, there's no way that I'm going to spend that much time as far as power rankings. I am really an eye test guy, but I also watch more games than 99% of the people out there. I constantly watch games back without commercials that I've missed on Saturday, uh, watching in their entirety, because I like to hear the actual broadcasters talking about some of the stuff that I'm going to miss. If I'm just watching them all with no sound. No, agreed. And and in a weird way, that's the thing is the, the 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 thing that makes a pro a pro can sometimes we can overdose on it. So it's a big wind up. Brad, are you going to stick to your guns? I'm sticking to my guns. And keep in mind, this isn't about an AP poll. Of course, I would probably have them down at number nine if I'm an AP poll uh, ballot and I'm filling it out. I agree with you. But the reality about my power ratings is who would be favored over who on a neutral field? And realistically, there's only two teams right now I would favor on a neutral field over the Buckeyes, Alabama and Oklahoma, the team that beat them by two touchdowns at the horseshoe. And that's it. And I think the markets agree with me. You look at last week's game against Michigan State, despite the public pounding Michigan State, that line kept climbing and climbing and climbing. An 18-point favorite over a team that was ranked number 12 in the college football playoff. Point. I so disagree with that because I think for sure that the public would pound Georgia or, or, or Auburn on a neutral field against Ohio State? I don't think so. I think we're missing a couple things. One is the power ratings isn't trying to replicate the Las Vegas market, but rather be God's power ratings as in this is the truth of these teams. So we always talk about with betting is, is this a bookmaking line or is this a batter's line? So, RJ, can you tell me at the beginning of the year when Brad's starting is the very first power ranking, how are you getting Ohio State up that high? And then when you see a chink in the armor, when you lose a home game to a team like Oklahoma that you pummeled last year in, in Norman, Oklahoma, you lose that game. How does that team stay there? And then when you get crushed and give up 55 points when you're a 21-point no. favorite, so, how does the team continue to stay up that high? I don't get it. So, Brad, how much have you downgraded Ohio State since the start of the year? Two points. Okay. So, 
and, and really that's the crux of this, right? Is how accurate was the initial numbers right. and what's been the adjustment based on the season real quick. And then I want to ask Faz a question on this, but let's, let's make a distinction. Let's say example, I think the Rams are probably fast starting to tend to be a little overrated right now. Whereas I think the public's buying in there's there might be a little premium on them. Let's say that's true just for the sake of argument. So the difference, if I was making a betters line, I would take out that premium and say the truth of the Rams is this, and thus the line in this game should be that. If I was making a bookmaking line, I would account for the premium. So the whole debate about who's going to be favored, if the bookmaking line and the and the, the betters line would be the same, it's the same conversation. But I do think it's important, Brad, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're trying to replicate the truth of these teams. Absolutely. Okay. So, Brad, would, or, or Ken, forget who would be favored. I, I just want to ask you, Brad, Brad, because yeah, I respect you and you're weight on the line at the win for the first time. So if you had Auburn playing on a neutral field against Ohio State, what would your line be and who would you bet on? Well, or, the, it's not – let's hear what his line would be. Okay. But the real question is, at pick him, who would he bet, right? Because right. that's what you're debating. Exactly. Right? Yeah, Ohio State won. All right. And you would bet the Buckeyes at pick him. Absolutely. Yep. Right. So, Fez, where, where do you got the Buckeyes? It's a great question. I agree more with Ken. I have the Buckeyes lower. However, I understand Brad's propensity to make him number three, because I tell you this, RJ, if Wisconsin's playing Illinois or the Buckeyes are playing Illinois, the Buckeyes are way better than Wisconsin. Ohio State's a bully. They pound people. What have we seen? As soon as they get the lead, then they destroy people like they did Michigan State. But even when they play a team like Indiana and they struggle at first, this team They just vomit on themselves. They play terrible when the game is close, and so I can't trust them to be a top-five team. You know, to me, this brings up, and and we're going to move on because as deep as a dive as this is, we don't want to over-dive on this Mm -hmm. one. Though I think it's been a great conversation, uh, and Ken starting it off with some good insight. I think that teams need to be profiled both how are they in competitive games, how are they in uncompetitive games, I think that's one way the power ratings can get confusing. I also think that if this team plays their best, I think unequivocally, if the teams play their best, I would say Ohio State is the second best team in the country. But I think Ohio State has more of an inclination to not play their best than many of the other teams that you've got in the top 10. So, Brad, how do you think about that? Because I think sometimes you're thinking, well, what would the line be against Bama? And then your thought is, well, they're going to be playing their best. But sometimes, you know, how do you balance the teams that are consistent, like maybe even a Wisconsin, which we've had a debate about on the Fox show, where you don't think they're as good as I think they are because they just keep winning. You seem to maybe, Brad, undervalue these consistent teams, and you look at potential more maybe than a guy like Ken does. That's exactly right. I would say I lean towards what's this team's potential. When they play their A game, what's the power rating? So that's different than – you know, you almost got to say what's their potential and then what's their coefficient of likelihood of playing their game. And, and, and maybe that's a factor that needs built into the numbers. Fez, you do the NFL numbers. I think the Steelers are a good example. Probably the best team in the NFL if they play their best game. They play their best game less than probably any other NFL team. How do you balance that? Yeah, great point. You look at the situational spot, but the Steelers are the opposite of Ohio State. The Steelers 
arguably, well, not arguably, they just let down against bad teams and bad spots. The Buckeyes are the opposite. When there's no pressure on them, they kick butt and destroy people. As soon as the game's on the line, they play terrible. Well, remember now, they I, won the national title a couple years ago. This so year. let's all go. This, huh? year. this year. Yeah. So, but, but real but quick. But in nine games, I mean, how many times have they played their best? Once? Well, one one full game against Michigan State is the only game that I look at that they played from start to finish. Well, you got to look at Vegas expectations. They played 10 games or five and five against the number. So I got five covers, five, five against them. So you also got to consider that. That's a good point. But when you cover close ones and get dominant, you know, so yeah. Fez, last question, though, it does. I, I agree with you. Pittsburgh in the NFL and Ohio State get at their bad games in different ways. But I think they both have a propensity to have bad, more bad games than average. How do you account for that in your power ratings? I don't, but I account for it when I adjust my, I make my initial spread based on the power rating, and then I adjust it big time for the situational spot more so than any other team. But how do you do it in your power ratings, which isn't supposed to consider weighted average, week? weighted average. That's so. That's it. So you're saying if there's a team that's a smidge below Ohio State at their best, but they play their best ninety percent of the time, and Buckeyes do. 50, you know, some of this is subjective, right? What is the best, right? Um, you're going to account, in a way, account for that. Yeah, so the Steelers are rated equal to, like, the Saints. Well, the Steelers, are their A game's better than the Saints' A game, but the Saints are way more consistent. You know what might be a good exercise is put two numbers on a team, or maybe even three numbers, at their best, average performance, at their worst, and then put a coefficient that adds up to 100. So a team like Bama might be at their best 30% of the time on average 60% of the time and the worst 10% of the time you take those three numbers and calculate and blend out one where the Buckeyes best number might be the second best in the country, but their coefficient for the best is going to be lower. And obviously that's complex, but I, I think that's the way maybe to arrive at this. But Fez makes another good point. Once you're handicapping a matchup, the question becomes, what's the more likely of those coefficients mm -hmm. as in motivation and whatever? All right, good stuff, guys. Good stuff. All right, let's quickly go through the game itself. It's a 40-point <laughs> favor. Buckeyes favored by 40. Brad, you're passing this game. Ken, you've got a lean. Obviously, Illinois. Give us, other than OSU being overrated, why? Well, only because I think. I saw a letdown with Ohio State against UNLV, a game that they got out 34 nothing out of the gate. And I could see a similar scenario here. Jeff George Jr., he's a gunslinger. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to throw some picks. But he's probably going to get this team in the end zone once each half. I figure if they do that, then Ohio State's got to score 55 to beat me. So I'll take a shot there. That's why it's a lean, because Ohio State could win the game 62 nothing if Jeff George doesn't get in the end zone at all. Fez, you've got a double shot here. You've got a like on a total and additionally, a derivative bet. So real quick, derivative bets are first quarter, second half, team totals, all kinds of things other than side or total. And we do this in the NFL preview, also the derivatives. Yeah, so I play over 56 for the game, but I like the first half over. I expect it's going to come right around 31. A lot of this is I think the Buckeyes are going to do what they did against Sparty. They know they need style points. They know they need to run it up. They ran a hurry-up offense in the first half and it absolutely worked like a charm. There's no reason not to bury Illinois early. Good for the pollsters to go ahead and rate them higher. And they did not take their foot off the gas until the early in the fourth quarter when they threw a pick in the end zone. So phony final against Michigan State. Should have been more points. Got zero points the final 18 minutes to keep that game under should have gone over this one's going to go over that segues i think to the last point of this game brad you've been tracking the national title odds 
and the big disruption last week has the Buckeyes thinking about two losses. That would be Ken's nightmare. Oh, if yeah. somehow the Buckeyes got in with two losses. I mean, we'd have to have a whole podcast with him alone just ranting for an hour. <laughs> yeah. And as far as their national championship odds, it kind of shows you how, you know, this hostile, this uh, season's been four to one, two weeks ago, lose to Iowa. They're down to 75 to one. And then with everything that happened last week, they got a reasonable case again, 16 to one to win it all. Uh, so there, I'm telling you, there is a chance, Ken, that this two loss Ohio state team winning out, especially if they beat an unbeaten Wisconsin team in the big 10 championship game. There's a possibility they could be there. So, Brad, we debated this at length. And actually, you can get the college football recap. That stays fresh all the way through Saturday. Go to my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. And what uh, we actually spend extensive time recapping on Fox all the Saturday action. And one of the debates was Auburn as a two-loss team. I, I was adamant, adamant that you were wrong. Have you changed your – in your thought was they have a heck of a chance to make it into the playoffs, Buckeyes two-loss team, Auburn two-loss team, who makes it? Auburn, no question, Auburn. Much better losses, uh, you know, probably better wins, especially at the end of the season. Auburn would clearly And this is it. assuming Buckeyes win out, beating Michigan, beating Wisconsin. Absolutely, because Auburn would be winning out over Alabama and Georgia again. So, Fez, this is mostly applicable for future players, so let's just take 20 seconds on it. As you're looking at the college playoffs, is there some angle you don't think the market's kind of like a team's rated higher or, or their odds are shorter than they should be because it's going to be tough for them to make the playoffs or vice versa? Hey, this team's got a path and we could start hedging if, it, if they get to the playoffs. Anything jump out? I'm embarrassed to say I missed the boat last week, RJ. Ohio State and Auburn had really pretty good, solid value, and I just didn't find it. But how would you expect there to be so, such a disruption that there was last week. I well, mean, I expected Auburn to win, though. So given I expected them to win and they closed the favorite, I should have forecasted it better. Next game, Nebraska, Penn State. Penn State favored by 26. And, and Brad versus the world. This time, the Associated Press, and you disagree. Yeah, and I'll be kind of the AP since we are the exclusive odds provider for the Associated Press. But in this week's AP poll, they have Penn State number 13 in the country. In my power ratings, I have number seven. Therefore, I, I think Penn, this Penn State team is underrated. And you talk about their two losses, both on the road against solid teams, Ohio State and Michigan State, very close, coin flip type of games. They blow a big lead against Ohio State. And then what really kills them that the market's not considering, in my opinion, is the weather delay in Michigan State. They are winning that game. They have a three-hour de uh, weather delay in that visiting locker room that's, you know, Jim Harbaugh and a bunch of the coaches have said are horrible in Big Ten. So they're sitting there without air conditioning or whatnot for three hours. They end up losing that game on a field goal on the final play. This is a legit team. I mean, when you talk about maybe two plays away from being unbeaten, that's why I think the Nittany Lions are underrated. CG Technology and Matty Holt gave us a smart money breakdown on every one of these games. And smart money in this game on Penn State Couple of major bets on the big home favorite, minus 26. It opened minus 23. Ken, lean or like? Yeah, I lean towards Penn State, and it's just a disaster for Nebraska. Mike Riley, uh, you know, finishing out the string if he gets there. Uh, we saw Butch Jones get relieved at Tennessee before the season ended. Wouldn't surprise me if Riley gets blown out here in Happy Valley that he's relieved a little bit early. And also Tanner Lee questionable quarterback for Nebraska, which he's the only guy that's really going to get the ball in the end zone. Patrick O'Brien stepped in last week when Lee got banged up. So, uh, you know, it's a Penn State team that got off to a sluggish game against Rutgers. 
uh, but still won the game 35-6. to I see more of the same, only a more wide-open game because Nebraska's defense is so porous. I think this game gets up over the total, and uh, Penn State covers the number. So lean Penn State from Ken Thompson. Faz? I lean Penn State, same reasons Ken has, but I got a question for Brad and Ken. I just saw a rumor that possibly Tennessee, now that they fired Butch Jones, might be looking at James Franklin, who used to be the coach at Vanderbilt, has Tennessee ties. Is there any, you've heard any talk about distraction Penn State for Franklin? Uh, I mean, I don't think they're really going to have to pay some money. He just signed a contract extension, I mean, five, six million a year at Penn State. So that means they'd really have to open it up. Not concerned too much about distractions. I think it's more on the other side. I saw some quit in Nebraska last week against Minnesota. They get absolutely pounded. Their quarterback's banged up. And I'll say this, if, if there's one team in the Big Ten outside of Ohio State that's not afraid to run it up, looking for style points, it's James Franklin. He has no love loss for anybody, even Georgia al- State. And they already squashed uh, rumors as far as him going to College Station to replace Kevin Sumlin. So if he wanted an SEC job, College Station would be a perfect place oh, to be Oh, a better job well. in Tennessee, in my opinion. So, Brad, you lean Penn State also. So, wow, big favorite here, 26 over Nebraska, smart money, Brad, Ken, and Fez all leaning towards the Nittany Lions. Brad, I don't know if you gave your whole handicap. Any last thoughts? No, I mean, that's pretty much it. Penn no, State. Knows enough? Yeah. No. Knows right, enough. Game enough. number three, public. <laughs> it's like, no, but allow me to talk for 30 seconds. <laughs> public pounder number three. Oh, no, public pounder game three. LSU, Tennessee. LSU favored by 15 and a half on the road. 90% of the cash, 95% of the tickets on LSU. Now, guys, if you go to pregame.com, you click Game Center. In the Game Center, there's a consensus tab. There's three tabs. Last one's consensus. You can see the bet count, ticket count, however you want to say it, split, and the cash count. The only place in the world with the cash for free, pregame.com. And a lot of good, you know, there's all kind of ways. You can see where the public is. You can see the pros versus Joes because often with the pros versus Joes, you're going to have the ticket count high, but then the cash count on the other team, which means the big bets, the pros on the other team. On this one, though, it's just all all LSU money so far, and the sharp money report says no real action yet. Brad, you actually like this game. Yeah, I like the LSU Tigers minus the points here. Here's a team that I've officially seen the buy signal, and it's now five straight games where they've covered the spread and they won four of them, the only loss being on the road at Alabama, where they actually outgained the Crimson Tide on the road. I mean, there's not a lot. Uh, there's a lot to like about the team. Number one, their quarterback's only got two interceptions this year, Danny Etling. He was a turnover machine coming in this season, so that check marks uh, answered. And then also the defense play, playing well. And this is the second consecutive season where they've really finished strong under Ed Orgeron. If you go back to last year, they covered five of their last six games. So maybe... Uh, you know, at the start of the season, they had their issues, but second straight year, LSU finishes strong and they'll murder Tennessee here. All right. So, Ken, you lean the other way. Now, Ooh. this this is not a crossfire because it's like and like, and we've got one of those coming up, but you lean Tennessee. Yeah. And again, it's the uh, the coaching move. And Brady Hoke, who has head coaching experience at Michigan and a guy that is familiar with the guys because he's been one of the assistant coaches there. You bring in a little rain factor there, 60% chance of showers there in Knoxville for the game. And again, whether it's McBride that goes in place of Guarantano or he goes, you're going to have 18 to 22-year-old kids that are going to get fired up on emotion. There's a new change there. And look, LSU's okay winning the game by 10 points. They just want to get a road win where Tennessee... 
they know they're winless in the SEC and they're going to give everything they have. So if you give me the team, everything they have on the home field, it'll keep the fans interested there in Knoxville because of the coaching change. And they know there's a new future in store. So Fez, you love the idea in college. And I think NFL, when there's a new coach, you think the first game, there's a uptick. There's an energy surge. I feel like you're right a lot, but I think it's a little generic sometimes. And and I, your opinion is generic, and I want to dig a little deeper when it comes to this search, right? Because generically, I agree with you. But here's where I wonder. There's all kind of politics. Like, you know, I, I, I've mentioned it before. I know maybe six or seven college coaches. I talk to at least a couple times a year, and, and one is uh, my best buddy. He's been in college coaching for 20-plus years, is – um there's always this AD is on the way out, but if, if somehow the chancellor renews him, he's going to fire this coach. But if they don't renew him, the new a they're going to keep the coach because the new AD is going to want to hire his guy. I mean, it's like a soap opera. If you really know what's going on and Brad working with Phil Steele all those years, you know, you probably got a feel for that too. Uh, how, would you say my characterization is a fair way? Is it, it is. Although I'll say trends wise, the last four years, that first game that you have an interim coach in the regular season, 17 and 11 against the spread. I know I'd take that. So the, no doubt. So the, my point about being generic is I think probably in four out of five situations, 80%, you guys are right. And maybe in 20%, again, I'm just broad stroking it here. And, and I don't know enough about the Tennessee situation to know if it's one of the, the minority and might not be applicable. But I, when I think there's real disruption and there's no sense that that new coach is going to have the job, I think that's the time that, that the other assistants are looking for a job. The thing people forget, these, these D-back coaches, all these assistants, they make good money, but if you're not a coordinator, you don't make crazy money. Now, some of these SEC programs now are starting to pay, like Ohio State pays like their O-line coach 300K. So, I mean, that's a different thing. But for the most part, even at Tennessee, that O-line coach is starting to look for a job right now. So I guess my question is, maybe you can answer it. Maybe Brad can answer it. Maybe Ken can. Is this a situation where it's total bedlam and thus maybe the surge isn't there because there is so much uh, distraction? Well, I think there's two things going on. I do think that there's distraction, RJ, but I also think that it's just human nature. Whether you love the coach or you hate the coach, he gets fired in all sports. You mentioned it. I don't care if it's hockey, MLB. That's the first look I'm going to go ahead and give. I agree with you. Let's look at which is, is what is if you love the coach and he gets fired, your next game, you're going to play really hard to show he wasn't valuable. Yes. And if you hated the coach, you <laughs> play really hard. It's Why? the most bizarre thing. I'm not a psychology major. But, but I I'm don't know. It, but here's my point is let's assume, let me give you an example quickly. I was looking through my trends this week, and one of the trends I love is if a team gets beat by 30 or more points in the NFL and is a dog the next week, they are, you know, have a wonderful record. I think it's like 61%. I, I, I think it's from 1990, but I'm just going from my head right now. Okay. But then I thought, home or away? So I started thinking if the loss was at home, or if this week's at home, like, what are the factors? And I started going through the permutations. And what I found was if a team loses at home like that, they actually are break even the next game. And, I mean, we're talking about about 60 games or so in that subset. But if they actually lost on the road, it doesn't matter if they play home or road the next game. 
maybe it's just they're so embarrassed they get so emotional you know from losing at bat at home they it's it's they actually are down more than up you would think they want to kind of get redemption or maybe it's a fluke but what i know is it's like almost 70% if they lost on the road and then the next week they bounce back and it's like 53% if they lose it now I'm not certain there's logic behind that, but I think within any good trend, you can find subsets that don't work and subsets that work even better than you thought. And to me to shrug and say, well, the trend works. Yeah, but maybe we haven't gotten as refined as we need to on the trend. Now here it's subjective, right? Is it Bedlam? Isn't it Bedlam? But I, I just want to try to think it through a little it's bit. It's a great point because when LSU fired their coach and Ogeron took over as the interim, they played out of their minds because they're like, we want stability. We want this guy to be our head coach. That was the whole And he was a great spot. recruiter, which is part of it. He had the relationship. And that's exactly my point. A lot of times, look at the interim coach. Is he the main recruiter? Do these guys really come to this school for it? In this case, for Tennessee, Brady Hoke's a first-year coach. They're not really familiar. He's only been on the staff less than a year. So maybe it's not nearly as good as our, our normal situation, but what, I like other aspects here. I like the fact Tennessee has athletes. Absolutely. They've been underperforming so greatly under Butch Jones. They have not given full effort. And on the other side, LSU, you mentioned LSU's quarterbacks only thrown two interceptions. There's a reason for this. Every time they get the lead, all they do is run the ball like 11 out of 12 plays on drives. They're a very pedestrian, good team. I can't see them extending. Okay. So we got two leans on Tennessee, Fez and Ken. Brad with a like on LSU. Brad, quick response. It's unusual to kind of have two people against the like. Any response? To, let's talk motivation. Let's talk because uh, we have gone above two touchdowns. Anything cause you pause? Well, no, not really, because I thought I saw a lot of quit out of Tennessee last week. And again, I questioned the interim coach, Brady Hoke, who's kind of been a, a traveler after Michigan. He was at Oregon last year, didn't have any success. This year, not having any success. And I just don't see a lot of buy signs right now with him as the interim coach. Next game, Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma favored by 35 and a half, 99% of the money on Oklahoma, smart money report, both sharp and public action on Oklahoma here. So early sharp money doesn't mean they're not going to buy back though. Ken Thompson, leaner like? Yeah, I'm going to lean towards Kansas. I think it's just too many points. I like the way Kansas is playing. New quarterback, Carter Stanley, been efficient, putting points on the board. Went in a 30-plus point dog into Austin. Only lost the game by 15. So you're seeing some fight in this Kansas team. It's not a team that's just going to lie and roll over and, and, and die like they have in years past. I think Oklahoma put up big numbers. I think they know Mayfield's the favorite right now for the Heisman, so they'll continue to push it. But I think it'll be a little bit more wide open, and you'll see that defense or lack of it from Oklahoma that we've seen in several games this year. And I think Kansas will get in the in the low 20s. I think Oklahoma probably gets in the 50s. Uh, Kansas, a 35-and-a-half point underdog in this game. Lean with Ken. He referenced the odds for Mayfield, minus 2,000. So $20 wins you a dollar. As I like to think about it, is 100 bucks wins you a Subway sandwich. Leaner like Brett. Yeah, I lean with Kansas here, and I'll just piggyback of what Ken says. I, I've seen some things that I've liked from Kansas. Didn't the previous month, but in two of the last three games, they've competed very well against Kansas State, covered by a couple of touchdowns in that one, where they never cover against Bill Snyder. So that was a good performance there. And then last week, you know, I was kind of a, even against them as a 33-point road underdog against Texas. So not only did they exceed Vegas expectations considerably, even mine, because if I was betting, I would have bet against them. So seen some buy signs there. Oklahoma will get their stats and stuff in the first half, but I think Kansas capable of getting the backdoor cover. 
I'm going to do an audible. I'm going to lean with you guys. The more I think about this, I mean, Mayfield's got the Heisman basically wrapped up. As long as he doesn't get injured, he doesn't have to run up the stats. And Oklahoma has a clear path to the final four. But aren't these one-loss teams starting to think about who's going to get in as a two-loss team? Oklahoma cannot get in as a two-loss, and they're a lock to get in as a one-loss. But Ohio State can't. Ohio State is a two-loss, needs help. Yeah. yeah, for sure, but they could. Oklahoma needs no help. They just need to win out. No, no, I understand, but follow me. <laughs> is You're saying if Oklahoma has two losses and Ohio State has two losses, Oklahoma has no chance, Buckeyes have a chance. Wow, you're going with the head-to-head. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. It, <laughs> yeah, RJ just that's complicated. To, that's why I asked you to put on Facebook before he got married. That's, it's that's, complicated <laughs> status. Yep. <laughs> you know, I'll say one last thing on this one is I am so used to thinking about KU having ties to the Stoops tree. And Mangino, obviously, a big part of that. And, and that's not the case anymore. And this coach... Uh, a little inside information here is, is this KU coach who's on the way out from all accounts, AD's probably on the way out, which is a surprise. This was like a fair-haired child, Zinger's his name, at Kansas. And um, to me, there's a whole big overhaul coming. And if anything, if if we're looking at motivation at that personal level, you know, and, and again, I guess the question becomes, you know, I, I'm embarrassed I don't know this. Is Mike still at Oklahoma or not? Yep. So the DC, the DC is still there. Okay. So, hmm. Yeah. I don't think there's any factor. It's funny. Time just keeps moving, right? Is, is Bob's gone and all the, all the trees gone at KU, but, but typically, and you guys talk about it all the time when there is a program that's really suffering and there's coaches from a big program, they tend to take it easy on them because again, they're friends and they don't want to embarrass them now, unless there's a real reason not to. Right. And then, you know, friendship, you can worry about that in the off season. Next game, this is what we're calling the bounce back game because that's the key question on this one. Michigan State played horribly against the Buckeyes, got dominated, but now they're a 16 and a half point favorite against Maryland. Ken, lean or like? I'm going to uh, lean with Maryland on this one. And uh, the reason being is, you know, it's a, just a lot of points for a team. You talk about dream crushers, Michigan State. Getting in the playoff, that wasn't their dream. Their dream was to knock off Ohio State and win the East because they had already taken out Penn State, so they had the inside track if they beat the Buckeyes. And to get beat to where you realize all of a sudden, wow, we're not even in their class. I mean, to get beat like that, it has you second-guessing yourself. Sure, they'll go home. They'll take care of business. It's going to be rainy over there in East Lansing, so I see kind of a dismal performance by you know both teams running the ball, getting through it. But this Maryland team, their running game still plays with a lot of heart. With Harrison and Johnson, these two guys run the ball hard. How about Maryland? They're on a four-string quarterback right now. Don't know if Bortenschlager, the third string, will be ready. So they'll go with Ryan Brand. I mean, this team had trouble a couple years ago with Edsel when he was coaching. They went through receivers left and right. This year, it's the quarterback problem. I just think Maryland will hang in there inside the number because I'm still not enamored with Michigan State's offense. Great, savvy point from Ken. Dream crushers are not about national titles, always. Sometimes it's about, you know, winning the East. And you got to understand the goal, the main goal of a team to know when that dream is crushed. Brad, lean or like? Yeah, I actually lean on the other side, although I, I'll give you props as far as them not even feeling, wow, we got a long ways to go, not even being in the class of Ohio State. I think that's an excellent point there. It's more of a play against Maryland. Uh, again, you mentioned the four-string quarterback who's a walk-on from Air Force. He's 5'8", 180 against a very physical Michigan State defense. And look, it wasn't just a loss. 
it was the worst loss that they've had in 15 plus seasons. And this is a very proud. Is that just by arithmetic? Arithmetic. Yeah, absolutely. The 45 point loss, uh, biggest in the D'Antonio era. You got to go back to 2002, last time they lost like that. And you look at their past history, it's a team with a lot of pride. Uh, So I think you're going to get an A performance out of Michigan State. I leaned up to Sparty, and I think you are going to get an A plus performance. Let's talk about expectations. This is a three win team, right? Last year. So that's, there's still a mission team that was completely embarrassed last year. All their goals that they laid out to start the season. You can talk about how, oh, they'd like to have won the East. That was a shock that they were even in contention. They're a 17 point dog there. You lose as a 17 point dog. I refuse to believe you. Your dreams are suddenly crushed. No, you're embarrassed and, and it's payback time. And not necessarily like this is a huge factor, but they, Maryland's one of those teams that beat them last year. So there's slight revenge here. No, I'm just saying Michigan State knocked off Penn State, and they saw Ohio State struggle at home to knock off Penn State by one point. So going into that game, their mindset was, we're right with these guys. We should be right in this game. Yeah. See, Fez, I disagree with you. When Now, I agree with you when if you're a big, big, big underdog losing the game, probably can't be that crushing because it's hard to expect to win, right? Though, in a way, being a Division One starting athlete is – you don't think like that. You think you're supposed to, you know, win those games in a weird way, even though you know the spread most likely. But where I disagree with you is I think dream I can tell you this right now. You're watching a game. You think you're out of the game. All right. You bet I made a big bet on it, like an emotional bet. And lo and behold, two quick pick sixes, you're back in it. In fact, you're covering now, and there's only twenty seconds left, and they return it for a touchdown, and now you lose. Is it any better because you only thought that you could win for that short window? If anything, it's worse when you've kind of given up and then, oh, my God, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. And then it's like, oh, you lost. I think Michigan State not expecting to win the East and then having it that whole week leading up to it, having that chance, that seems like it could be an equal, if not bigger, crusher. It's a great point, but I can turn it around and say, would it not be more crushing than if they would have played an overtime game against the Buckeyes and then lost on the last? So now we're talking about degrees of being crushed, but (laughs) but you're agreeing there's a crush element to it. Yeah, I still think if they had if I if there had been a ten win team last year, I would agree with you completely. But the fact they only won three games, it's still a but that makes it even more. Yeah, okay, it's okay to concede (laughs) against the master. No, if they go to the Citrus (laughs) Bowl, it's a success. Next game, this is the QB battle, fallen QB battle, next level QB battle. I'm not sure how to say it, but it's the battle for LA, UCLA, USC. Wow. USC at home. And there is a difference with the home, right? Years ago, there wasn't. Am I remember? They they played at the same. No. They never did? No, USC's Coliseum. That's always been the case? Always. UCLA never played at the Coliseum. Unless hmm. they were playing UFC. There we go. We got the please, B- Brad. You actually were not with me. Did you? Yeah, think- I thought they would play at the Coliseum a lot. We're talking a long time. Every ago. other year. Every <laughs> other year when they came. When I they thought came in the sixties and seventies they played at the Coliseum. Right. We'll see. I- I'm deferring to Ken. Yes. UCLA, USC, and USC favored by sixteen in this game. Let's get a smart money report, and then we're going to go to Ken, who's the fan, but he's objective. Uh, no big bets on this game. No pets yet. No big bets. So no smart money report. Ken Leaner like. I like USC in this game. Their running game is solid. Ronald Jones should gash this UCLA defense. Again, with Rosen at quarterback, I totally respect his ability, but he's lost, you know, three receivers during the year. He's got Jordan Lassley, who's outstanding. 
but they just can't run the ball. And it's been like that for UCLA. So all the pressure always falls on the shoulders of Josh Rosen. Had he had any type of running game to take pressure off, I would give UCLA a chance not only to cover this game, but also to spring an upset. Again, it is a rivalry game and they'll get up for the game. But USC understands task in hand. They're going to win the South. They're going to go on, hopefully get another shot at Wazoo. They're hoping Washington State takes out Washington in Seattle so that they can avenge the loss earlier in Pullman. That gives them at least a chance to avenge one of their two losses on their schedule when they were so depleted on the offensive line. So it's a huge game for both teams, of course, because it's the rivalry. But USC getting healthy, and uh, now that you're starting to see the receiving core, not just Deontay Burnett anymore, Mitchell and Vaughn stepped up big time last week. They helped it. And so USC, Darnold has more targets to spray that ball around. USC will win this game by 20 plus. Brad, you lean the other way. Yeah, I do. And the question that I have on USC's behalf is I haven't seen any killer instinct out of them the last two weeks. I mean, they could have buried Arizona. They're up uh, multiple touchdowns in that one. They allow them back in the game. Last week, they're up 20 to nothing on Colorado. Had a chance to really bury the Buffaloes. And in fact, really didn't even have any killer instinct to kick a field goal to go up by 17 points, a 35-yard field goal that would have cashed as the best bet on the over for you last week. I'm sure you're well aware of that. I just If they got the chance to put the foot on the neck, maybe they do because it's a rival, but I think that question is out there. I think they just get a win, get to the bye week next week, because keep in mind, this is the only Power 5 team to not have a bye, and this is their 12th straight game. Quick question, Brad, is UCLA really overperformed last week in your mind. What did you see in that game? Well, you know, I, I thought I started to see a little bit of a defensive stops in the second half. Arizona and their rush defense is the worst of any power five team out there. UCLA. UCLA. And I they made a couple of stops in the second half against Arizona State. So I came away impressed. Rosen, you know, obviously is a huge upgrade over what they had the previous week. But they're kind of front runners. If they have a little bit of belief, they play at least above the expectation I had last week. I thought they'd lose the game outright and they ended up, you know, obviously covering against me. Fez, quick question. Is this is counterintuitive, but big favorites in the NFL playoffs do exceptionally well. And the reason, and I didn't understand this for years, is one of the big reasons you want to play big dogs is you question the motivation of the favor. Cause they're supposed to, you know, they're supposed to win so easily. So, but in the playoffs, every team's motivated. doesn't matter if they're 15 point favorites, they're going to play hard. And thus, that's why you'll see over TD favorites cover at a higher percentage during the NFL playoffs in these rivalry games. It feels like it could be that, which is, Hey, you've got a big favor, but it's a rivalry game. So, you know, you're going to get a big effort. But then you keep hearing about the, you know, smaller schools winning as 21 point dogs because it's a rivalry game and it's like the season saver for that crappy school. So is there a way to kind of balance it and say these are the times I think the big favor and the motivation? Obviously, there's going to be a, a given handicap in any game, but I'm saying generally, when do you think that the fact it's a rivalry favors a big favor and when does it favor the big dog it typically favors the big dog and the reason being ken nailed it he's already talking about oh usc wants to play washington state to get payback they're already looking ahead but UCLA, it's a rivalry game yeah but ucla this is their super bowl there's no looking ahead okay but how's that different uh, and brad one second how's that different than call or nfl where you you could say well the pats are favored by 15 over the texans so they're starting to think about next week in the Steelers. I mean, why why isn't it the same thing? 
I think in some ways it is the same thing. That but the but, four- but the, it's not. I mean, history says big favorites in the NFL playoffs do exceptionally oh, well. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm saying the regular season, it's the same thing during but, the but, playoffs. Yeah, but this is the playoffs, right? I mean, and maybe that's the point. This isn't the playoffs in it, a way. It is not the playoffs for USC. But, but USC the fact wants it's a rivalry game, shouldn't that make them be hyper-motivated? They're more motivated, but they're not as motivated as they're going to be in the Pac-12 championship. But game. here's the, here's the caveat: here is that USC did not have a buy all season long, but they have a buy going into the championship game because they are the only team from the Pac-12 that is off next week. They finish their season this week against UCLA, where everybody else in the Pac-12 is playing, so they have a week off to rest for so Washington. In theory, or Washington in theory State. you don't look ahead when you have a buy. The exactly, next week. they're going to give everything in this game. It's a home game. It's UCLA. They screw up their entire season, whether they win the Pac-12 South or not if they lose to the rival Bruins. And we're going to find out how much UCLA cares about their head coach because, I mean, this one could actually save his job. Or, I mean, they get beat by 40, 50 points. Jim Moore Jr. is not going to be there next year. And you have... Oh, go ahead. I think Ken had a real great bet on the over Colorado USC. They, they had a thousand yards, a phony final with only 62 points. That's why I lean over in this game, because I know that game should have had 75 points. And Brad, you've got a good trend here. More uh, last 13 road games has covered only one of the 13. <laughs> I'm up against it. I'm up against uh, the, the USC guy in Ken. I'm up against it against a super trend there. I mean, Moore is one of the worst coaches against the spread in the country. Next game is a total pick from Ken. It's Mississippi State, Arkansas. On the side, Mississippi State road favorite of a good performance last week, favored by 12. But, Ken, you like the total. Yeah, I like the total to go over, and I just think that Mississippi State will not play the intense defense that they played against Alabama last week. I mean, there was just so much put into that. And so I see Nick Fitzgerald going up and down the field on Arkansas, and Arkansas also with Austin Allen back in now. Uh, He'll wing the ball out a little bit more. They don't even have their backup. Cole Kelly was suspended. He got a DWI. So Austin Allen knows everything falls in his lap. Uh, Williams and Whaley are running the ball well. And Bielema, again, we'll find out what Arkansas thinks about their coach. They want to keep him. Again, it's a huge buyout for Arkansas. Don't know if they can afford it. But the way that Bielema's team is not performing against Alabama, Auburn, and LSU, they've been outscored by 87 points in those three games. So uh, I just think this is going to be a higher scoring game. We've seen Arkansas when they play games at home. They open it up a little bit. And so I'm going to go over on the total in this one. Over 59 taping on Tuesday here at the pregame.com offices just off the Vegas strip. Okay. Brad, you've got to lean on Arkansas. Yeah. And if RJ would allow me more than one pass during a podcast, this would be another pass for me, but I'm going to lean with Arkansas here. You know, factor for me is I think it's kind of a flat spot for Mississippi state who at, you know, in the middle of the fourth quarter was actually leading Alabama Give up two touchdowns in the final six minutes. A game where they could have had maybe one of the biggest wins in the history of the school. Just got away from them, and they got their major rival, the Egg Bowl, on deck against Ole Miss. So I'll fade them in a flat spot. Well, just give me a little music. To oh, okay. kind of yeah, It's kind of sad a little bit. Oh. You know, he's crying that he has to give the audience, <laughs> the audience that we love, that we work for. <laughs> you know, really think about that, Fez. He's saying... 
RJ, RJ's being mean to me. He's making me a college football expert have an opinion on a college football game. <laughs> Maybe and who'd have, thunk it? <laughs> who'd have thunk it with that Ohio State power ranking up at three that you're not just going to get everything you want? Brad, maybe you need to get a bodyguard on these podcasts to go ahead and watch your back on stuff. Don't let RJ pick on you. You've been picking on Brad, RJ? No, yeah, I, fast it's you or Brad. Well, yeah. which one would you prefer? Brad, of course. I mean, Ken, Ken's got twenty-two inch arms. I'm not picking Ken, on him. Ken's got the guns, and I think I think he's got a, a real good handicap here because if you watch that Mississippi State Alabama, so often when you see a home dog almost pull the upset, they get a blocked punt. Crazy stuff happens. You think about Penn State upsetting Ohio State and Happy Valley, all kinds of crazy special team stuff. Nothing fluky about this. They no one moves the ball in Alabama. And I know Alabama had linebacker cluster injuries, but the cowbells were ringing and that offense was clicking. Next game, pros versus Joes, baby. Pros versus Joes. Let's lay it out. Kentucky, Georgia. Georgia favored by 21 and a half in this game. 93% of the tickets on the Joe with the Joes, Joes on Georgia and the pros on Kentucky. All right. So Brad, you've got a total on this, but we're going to wait on this Fez, you passed. So we're going to go to Ken. So let's make sure we got this straight again is the me and the pros are on Kentucky and the Joes are on Georgia. Who do you like, Ken? I like Huey Lewis a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you like? I'm loving Georgia. All right, hey, you gotta live it, baby, live it. Oh, here's the here's the thing. I mean, Georgia knows they still control their own destiny. So we talk about dream crushers. This is not one. The loss to Auburn was expected by a lot of sharp people, including Fez and myself. So made good money there. Home field again is so huge in the SEC and Kentucky. They're coming off a nice fat win at Vandy, so a nice road win that nobody expected them to blow out Vandy. Take care of business. They're feeling good about themselves. Look, they've already exceeded expectations and could have beaten Florida. Could even be a bigger year for Mark Stoops. But they're going to Georgia now, and Fromm and company know. Let's look at what happened last week. Nick Chubb, 11 carries, 27 yards. Sony Michelle, 9 carries, 21 yards. That's not going to get it done. Need to establish, reestablish the running dominance that we've had and just blow out this Kentucky team. They don't need the game. We do because we want to get back in the mix. And style points will count because right now we don't know where George's heads are at. But I think they get it together. I think Kirby Smart has them totally prepared. And in between the hedges is going to be a lot of trouble for Kentucky. I think Georgia wins this game by 30-plus. You know, this is one, you know, back to the Stoops tree. So Mark Stoops, uh, Brad, we were talking about it weeks and weeks ago is he's the guy that is, you know, I would say his attention to detail is well below average for a college coach, but he is an emotional, he's almost like a Tomlin. Um, when it comes to when, when the emotion is there is, is the team channels it through him to me, as big dog, and I think we looked at this a while back, is they, as bigger dogs under Mark Stoops, Kentucky had done well, if I remember. Yes, absolutely. So I actually, and again, it's me and the pros on Kentucky and, and the Joes and Ken on Georgia. 
You've got a total though, Brad. Yeah, I like the over here. I expect, I agree with Ken. I expect Georgia's offense to rebound and have great success against an overrated Kentucky defense. But I also like what I've seen from this Kentucky offense consistently. It's a team that's put up over 28 points against, you know, Florida when Florida's relatively healthy. Uh, even last week put up 44 points against a, a decent Vanderbilt defense. So I think it's a, a Kentucky team that's been a dead net over team here at least the last three, four weeks. And Georgia reestablishing themselves. That's why I like the over at 50 and a half. I think it's relatively low. Okay, next game, pros versus Joes part two. Navy, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, 17 and a half. You can guess it. The Joes on Notre Dame, the pros on Navy, and all three. Well, actually, Fez has a like on this game. Like the underdog, like uh, Navy here. You know, we talk about the Irish and their line of scrimmage domination. And I agree with it. Like they've gotten, they, at one point they had like 25 rushing touchdowns. They'd only given up one, but line of scrimmage domination doesn't matter when you face an option team, when you're on defense, it's all about schemes and staying in your lanes and staying disciplined and a focus week of practice. Notre Dame just had the dream crusher at Miami. Now they go back to 35 degrees. It's got to be tough for them to get up for this game. And I know Navy will be sky high for it. Navy has given Notre Dame trouble in the recent past. And I don't think the Irish are going to have a, the right week of practice to deal with that option. Brad Powers, leaner like. Yeah, I lean with Navy here. And uh, you mentioned it as far as Notre Dame's the dream crusher. And we've seen a Notre Dame defense not be disciplined each of the last two weeks. Unlike the first eight games of the season, they've been out of their lanes against Wake Forest. Same thing, again, showed up against Miami. And I just, you know, when you look at Notre Dame, they, they don't have a conference championship out there to play for. So it's national title or bust. And that national championship just went out the window in South Florida last uh, now, weekend. Aren't, aren't they playing for a new, uh, a big, you know, big six bowl on New Year's Day? Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, if they were, really I mean, they were talking about Kelly losing his job at the beginning of the year. Uh, yeah, they, now, I agree. Yeah. It's a dream crusher. But let, I don't think I think come next week, this team gets motivated again. Usually dream crushers are one week affairs. I don't think their season's over. I think that their goal, though, got crushed. That's an ex excellent point. And I agree with it because they have Stanford next week. Mm -hmm. So now you can consider not only is it maybe a slight dream crusher, but maybe even a little bit of a flat spot. You're coming off Miami. You got Stanford on deck. And uh, the, the reason I will say this, why it's not a like for me is Navy's got some injury issues at the quarterback spot. They had to replace their starting quarterback last week. No, no worries. <laughs> the backup runs for 280 yards, but the problem is at the very end of that game, he sprains his ankle. So make sure you're checking the injury report, both questionable as we're taping on Tuesday. So this is a non-college football expert speaking here. Is it an advantage? Is it an advantage for Navy that Notre Dame is such a ground running team? Because, what I've always seen is these schools, when they play these, you know, spread offenses, they just don't practice against it. It's just like they can't replicate it in practice. But, yeah, Notre Dame's got the better recruits, but at least it's like they're playing a similar team. Doesn't that help the dog here? That's a very sharp handicap because what Navy struggles with is pass-oriented teams. And that's why me and Fez always love betting the overs when they're facing a spread-happy team that's wide open. Neither defenses have been practicing against it. I, I agree with you. Notre Dame, unlike uh, almost the entire Brian Kelly era, is more run-dominated than ever, and they were struggling against Navy when they should have had the advantage throwing the football. That's uh, another reason why I'd lean with Navy. Good job, RJ. Thank you. Smart money on Navy. Brad leans that way. Ken leans that way. Fezzik likes it. Good stuff here. Not even as actionable, though, as we're going to get 
here soon. Remember, we've got a quadruple like a couple games coming up. But first, my favorite, because let's be honest, I, I I grew up during the 80s, right? So you could have your army men and your guns, and I don't mind a little conflict. I can't lie. Crossfire time. Texas WVU in this game. West Virginia favored by three and a half. We've got Brad Powers versus Ken. And, you know, Ken started this show with such insight. I am going to let Ken start off. Who do you like? I like West Virginia. And uh, they're they're at home, and they play their best ball in Morgantown. There's no doubt about it. And Texas, again, struggled with a Kansas team that they lost to last year. So you know they had that game circled. I mean, it's the reason Herman has the job. When Charlie Strong lost that game in Lawrence, that was it. That was the final straw. So you figure in Texas as 30-plus point dogs, they've got a quarterback controversy going there with Bouchelle and Ellinger. You got both quarterbacks now. You're going into West Virginia. But I'm telling you, Will Greer is playing at a level that's exceedingly higher than I even thought he would have. And when you look at their three losses to Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State, and at TCU, not bad losses. I think Holgerson has the boys ready, and it's not a big line to cover three and a half. I think West Virginia wins this game by seven to ten points. Ken Thompson likes West Virginia. On the other side, Brad Powers. I like Texas, and I like a super trend here. Tom Herman has a dog. Now, he did finally lose one in the underdog role, dating back to his offense corner days at Ohio State. Now 14-1 and one against the spread, 11 outright upsets. In my opinion, I have the better defense here with Texas that's really performed well, at least you know prior a little bit to last week. You it, Let me take take you apart a little bit. You're meaning to tell me the game they were focusing in on was Kansas this year? That was the game they circled just because they lost to Kansas last year? I don't think so. Not when you're a 33-point favorite. I think they need this game, obviously, to get the bowl eligibility, which would be huge in the first year under Tom Herman. Yeah, and that's why you're focused in on Kansas, because you're still looking to get bowl eligible. Be real. I mean, here you have a West Virginia team. What a great story. David Sills wanted to be a quarterback, was signed by USC and Lane Kiffin at 13 years of age to BSC's quarterback. What happens? He goes and he ends up being changed from quarterback to wide receiver by Holgerson. He then transfers and leaves and goes to El Camino Junior College in California because he still wants to be a quarterback. Nobody, no D1 team gives him a shot. What happens? He goes back to West Virginia and now how many touchdowns does he have this year? 18 touchdown receptions. Absolutely incredible story and that's just one of three receivers that are going to be open all day against Texas. West Virginia rolls. I can't, can't trust West Virginia and hardly any spot. And you look at some of their games. Texas Tech, I was on them. They're getting beat by what 18 is that, points. What does that mean, can't trust? You can, you really can't. What are you going to get Just don't from? repeat it. All right. <laughs> That's not the answer. Yes. Here's, so so they, they, they are hit or miss. And, and they're effort? Jekyll and Hyde, not only from a game-by-game basis, but in-game. This is a team that could be getting beat by 17 at halftime, end up winning and covering a spread like we saw in the Texas Tech game. And what did we see from them last week? And what have we a seen from good... Texas, a team that goes into TCU and scores a whole seven points? I, I'll do? give you that they have you know not looked their best Whoop-dee-doo, the last two games. But, well, but here's the thing. All right, I'm going to look at the whole 10-game body of work, and I got seven good performances, three bad ones. They're coming off of two bad ones. What's you your know, record? What, well, I need to get the ball eligibility, so, so I got a motivated two games. Team. That's right. All right, good luck getting one in West Virginia. You're not I don't need to get job. one. I just need them to lose by three. It's real. It's real. The heat's real. Fez, tiebreaker. I lean Texas. 
Sorry, Ken. No, that's okay. I, I feel better that way because you're, <laughs> you're you're an NFL guy. You're not a college guy. I, I'm, I'm I'm both, but I, but there's no question. I'm at my best in the NFL close games. We talk about this all the time. NFL uh, concept. Uh, when a team loses a whole bunch of games, close games, they tend to be undervalued. Ken, why don't you why don't you start booking Fez's college? Let him just like bet that. into you at one oh seven. I probably have some money over last week. But do you want it? <laughs> Let me tell you something. If if Fez solely did all his college work himself, yes, I would book it. Well, that's that's like saying if Larry Bird didn't have these certain shoes. It's like he gets his network. That's what he does best. Right. Okay. So I'm saying if he was isolated in a little in a little room and he had to do his college work by himself oh, man. i would take i would book well you're asking me what am i gonna well, wait for him to get this? Here, here's the what, good gonna, gonna grab the dream team and then come up with your play uh, hey that's what that's okay awesome, so right? then i'm not gonna book it if i'm going against a dream team because so, uh, i'm not just going against I'm very Fez, good at passing Fe- to robert Parrish and company i Fe- will Fez, admit that we, that's all we wanted to get to and i'm not i don't blame you can i right i wouldn't either i mean that's like nfl but, i wouldn't i mean but that's, the best. The, that's the great thing is fez is smart enough to say i'm going to originate in the nfl and i'm going to put a dream team together in college exactly and i'm actually that. originating both these thoughts so take it with a grain of salt this is all mine um texas is zero and three in games this year decided by five or fewer points west virginia's three and zero in games decided by five or fewer points so texas has lost the close games and west virginia has won them so usually that means one team is overvalued the team that got unlucky one team is undervalued um not always and the second thing as far as the scheduling spot i really do like the fact that texas although they played ken brings up a great point they played lousy against kansas and they should have been up for that game they were still coasting versus there's been three straight difficult wins for west virginia against oklahoma state against iowa state and then against at kansas Kansas State, so I think there's going to be more gas in the tank in the second half, and we saw West Virginia struggle in the second half, barely got it by Iowa State. All right, one more last thing, because Deshaun Elliott's one of the best secondary players in the country for Texas. He's there, but you've lost two guys now from that secondary in the last three weeks. That is brutal when you go to West Virginia against a team that's pass-happy like Will Greer. Guys, this is a great example, really, and and I really believe that we show this better than Listen, there's other sharp people out there. I mean, let's not act like there's not. But I think what we do at pregame so, so well is the idea that pros, professionals, experts will often disagree. And to hear them hash it out, I think, really helps you understand the complexities and subtleties of really being a winner at this. Because if it were simple, who wouldn't, you know, many, many, many people working their straight jobs would rather be in Vegas betting for a living. I think we can all agree on that. One last thought is if you go to the bet splits right now, 81% of the tickets on West Virginia, but 92% of the money. So it seems like even the, the money and the tickets, even the bigger bets on West Virginia, but it's not a sharp side not a lot of sharp action yet, at least from the report from Addie Holt. Okay, guys, the stakes are going up. We're in a situation now where everything after or starting with this game are double likes or best bets. Let's get going. Virginia, Miami of Florida, Miami of Florida, up to 19 and a half, open 17. Brad likes it and Fez likes it. It's Virginia, Brad. Yeah, and I like Virginia plus the points here. Look, I was wrong about Miami. They're not as overrated as what I thought. I've upgraded my touchdown the last two weeks of my power innings, but 
in this particular spot, we've seen at least this year that they have questionable motivation, or at least they play to the level of the competition. In this case, down to the competition. You look at their games against Syracuse, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, all teams that are similarly like this Virginia team that's actually bowl eligible, doesn't get enough credit. Miami hasn't played well in any of those games. So as a large favorite off of maybe their biggest win in 15 years, they already got the division clinched up for them. Maybe they're still motivated because they have the national title out there, but I'm saying it's maybe 85 or 90% motivation. I got a team that's capable of the backdoor. Give me the Cavaliers plus the points. Now, we were talking, and Fez, you made a very interesting point on the Fox show, which was, hey, the reason I was wrong about Miami was they weren't motivated. This team has its ebbs and flows motivationally, but when they're focused, man, oh, man, are they good? So how does that come into this handicap? You like Virginia also. Yeah, I think Miami crashes somewhat emotionally. Let's look at that game in Hard Rock Stadium against the Irish night game. 8 p.m. local time start. They got the turnover chains ready. The entire stadium is filled. I've never seen that recently at Hard Rock for a Miami Hurricane game. Now they play Virginia. Noon start time here. Uh, It'll be night and day difference in terms of the home field advantage. How does new? Give me just a general... Brain dump, and Brad, you can jump in too. Can Fez give me this brain dump on early, late start times in college football specifically? Generally, early, late, the extreme start times. What does it mean? What what factor is it? I think it's worth an extra point to be playing a big game at night, and the crowd is just so insanely loud. They're drunk off there, you know what, and the extreme example is LSU and Death Valley. That's a good call, and when you look at South Beach, again, you're playing in Miami, how many people are out late on Friday night, now going to get geared up and get ready to do it again early in the morning? I agree with you there. It's a great spot for uh, Virginia. So I agree, and I think it's consensus. Night games are better than day games for home crowd, especially if it's not common to play at night, so it feels special. But my question is, if the game was at 230 Versus if the game was at night, that effect you just talked about would still apply. But what about these noon starts? What are the factors? And maybe you don't have an answer. And maybe Brad does. What are the factors that you consider with the earliest of early starts? I think you look city by city, game by game. Miami has great nightlife. And I do think that the players at Miami tend to stay up later. I'm trying to be general here. I'm not Mm -hmm. bringing it back to this game. So Mm -hmm. in general, you're looking, is this a party city or town? Yes. And if it is, then it's a disadvantage to start early. Absolutely. Now, Brad, couldn't the other side of the equation be, hey, the team that travels is sleeping in a hotel they're not used to. And now, you know, what time are they getting up? What time are they getting up to get to that stadium for a noon game? Five in the morning? Isn't that a disadvantage for the road team where it's easier to kind of get up a little earlier if you're home? So how do you balance these early starts? Uh First off, I agree with Fez. One point for me would be the big difference between the you know, huge disparity, early noon start compared to an 8 p.m. start. That's a great point you just made. But I say where it's a big negative, these noon starts, a lot of times are when you're a big favorite. Let's face it, when you're a college kid waking up that early and being you know fully motivated, especially when you're already a big favorite, I think that's more the negative, especially an early start time when you're supposed to win so by quest- a lot. Questionable motivation for the home team the noon game might exacerbate that. And also if it's a party city, that's going to affect not the team, but the fans. RJ, I'd also like to check on service academies where service members are used to getting it up at the crack of dawn, what their record is in early start games. I bet you it's better than most. Yeah. So how disciplined the team is another factor. 
Good stuff, guys. Hey, let's, you know, the fact that it wasn't all the obvious stuff, but what we went to, let's give it to the boys. Only in dreams, baby, you get that kind of stuff. All right, so let's recap. Brad likes Virginia. Fez likes Virginia. Can you lean Virginia? Yeah, I lean Virginia. And here's here's the reason I'm not on Virginia as a like is because of their poorest rushing defense. Gave up 298 yards to Louisville last week. And I'm just a little bit concerned. Bankert is not the most consistent quarterback. Only threw for 214 last week. And when you're going into Louisville and you know you have to trade points, look, they lose that game 38-21 to Louisville team. Again, uh, 17, you, you know, your line's right around there, 15, 16, whatever it is. And so I just, I, I like Miami. I mean, I'm sorry, I like Virginia, but I, you know, I'm going to stay away just because I respect Miami and the way they're playing right now. And they know, we may not know because we're doing this prior to the playoff rankings coming out, but they know they control their own destiny. And, you know, if they have a chance to, you know, open it up, they will. Next game, another double like, and then the quadruple like coming up in a minute. We've got Washington favored by 17, 17 hosting Utah, Brad and Fez again, Brad, who do you like? I like Utah here and a little bit of tuition paid last week backing Utah. I had a, in my opinion, a, a right side loser with the Utes. They lose the game by eight points. It's about a pick em game. But they had seven turnovers in the game and still had an opportunity to tie and force overtime late. Had the yardage edge, had the first down edge. So particularly with all these games going on, if you're just looking at the scoreboard, they didn't perform up the expectations. Diving deep into the box score, that should have been a win for the Utes. I'll play off of that, especially against a Washington team that to me might have questionable motivation. Their dream was crushed last week at Stanford. They're not going to the college football playoff. Utah plus 17 like Fez, you like him too? I do. Same reasons with the fluky turnover game. And the, that dream crusher is even larger because now if you're Washington, you're like, <gasps> Auburn won against Georgia. I mean, the Big Ten is just crapping on itself. We could have been in there. All we had to do was win and we blew it Friday night against Stanford. So it's an exaggerated dream crusher. Okay, Ken, so you lean Utah, so I think you probably agree with a lot of the handicaps. What's keeping you from liking? Okay, there's a couple of things. One is the rain. It's going to be raining there, and that's something that Washington plays very well in. Uh, you know, up in Seattle, they're used to it all the time. They practice in it, so I could see them getting some breaks there and being used to, you know, just playing in that type of uh, condition. And also, Darren Carrington, the leading receiver for Utah, there's a chance he still may miss this game. He missed last game, and if he's not there... I just don't want any part because that offense is stagnant enough at times. And Huntley threw three interceptions last week. So a little leery going against Washington secondary. Here we are, guys. First time in history, a quadruple like. Hey, now. But before, <laughs> but before we get started, let's talk about your coupon this week. Guys, a little time for tough love. We went up. We went up, but just a smidge on the college football dream preview and Fez you've been showing up every week these guys have been killing it I think this episode might be the best ever great back and forth great insight but we only went up a little bit so what I'm doing is this a little tough love I'm going to keep you at the same coupon as last week usually we go up if we keep going up we only went up a smidge remember if we go down we we actually wipe the coupon out the next week. Wow. That's not like you, RJ, because tough love is like, no, but here it is at the beginning of the podcast. You said every week, if we go up in numbers, (laughs) I will raise it 
a dollar each week. And if we, that's right. If we went up, if we went up even a smidge, the end of the day, that's a difference between a half point cover and not RJ. Ken, as a USC fan, I think I see where you're coming from, but when you're with the Ohio state university as an alum, the standard's just a little higher. That's smid- right. That smidge isn't enough. All right. That smidge enough. Isn't Keep your enough. number three power rankings <laughs> and your two losses. <laughs> so, but guys, all joking aside, we need your help. That's what keeps the show growing is your help. How do you help? It's simple. First of all, if you don't buy anything, who cares, right? About the coupon, but you should care about the show because if it's new equipment, if it's Fez showing up every week, if it's other things we've got planned, the fact that we're going to keep this thing going for college basketball once college football is over, the fact we're going to be doing more pods actually during March Madness than we ever have, it's all because of you guys caring and obviously listening helps. It adds to the numbers, but additionally, tell a friend, tweet it out, um, ask us a question even and get the conversation going, whatever it is, go to iTunes and rate us, give us a five star. Any small thing you do helps grow the show. And we're up like triple from the start of the year. So you guys have done an amazing job. Just fell off a little last week. And here we are. Here's your coupon CFB dream 14. Yes, it was 14 last week, but like I said, tough love CFB dream one Four, all caps, and you go pick any pick you want. It could be Fez, it could be Ken, it could be Brad, and add it to the shopping cart up at pregame.com and put in CFB Dream 14 in the coupon code, get 14 bucks off. So, Brad, what's your typical Saturday all access package cost? Uh, typically, just, you know, this is a simple answer. What, 25 give, bucks. Give me the bucks. number. <laughs> 25 or 30 bucks. <laughs> if I asked him where he was born, I wonder if he'd go, well, you know, where were you born? In a manger. No, I'm <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. That's like, he's got like a Christ complex. No, jeez. <laughs> supposed to be a joke. You are pretty sharp though. I, I will give you credit. So where were you born? Uh, <laughs> so, here, here's a good one. I, well, I had to think of something. Red. In no. Same, same hospital as Urban Meyer and Monty Jim Python, Harbaugh. I love it. Is that right? Same exact same hospital as Jim Harbaugh and Urban Meyer. Toledo Hospital. I'd be telling that story a little bit more. Well, that's why I had to think. I knew I had well, a story. It seems like you should have that on the tip oh, of your my tongue. Goodness. So think about it. Twenty five bucks, fourteen. You're getting the best stuff for eleven. Fez, you're about the same, right? I'm a little more. A little bit more. Ooh. Well, you are a two-time Super Contest champion. I'll typically put my best bet at twenty-five dollars, and all access pass will be more like forty-five. Well, the dream team. What do you What do you expect? And can yeah, it's twenty-five dollars usually a multi-game package, but I will do thirty when I have a conference game of the month or a uh, game of the year style like that. Then it goes up a little bit. And guys, obviously, you're getting their very best opinions on the biggest games, and then the beauty of the best bets, though, is. Uh, the premium stuff is they got the whole card to choose from. Now you might be getting games that, oh, I don't care about those games, but those are the games that max your chance to win. And they often will have the star rated stuff on some of the big games. Also, here's the four X California Stanford right now, Stanford up by or favored by 16 in this game. Ken, I'm going to start with you. Who do you like? I love uh, Cal in this game. It's just a perfect spot for them. Stanford comes off beating Washington, and they have Notre Dame on deck. Again, this is the game. It's the rivalry. But Cal's been down for so long that it's hard for Stanford to really look at him seriously. 
But Wilcox knows if he gets one out of two, this one here against Stanford or next week against UCLA, he becomes bowl eligible with a team that was probably supposed to win three games. They found a new running back in Patrick Laird. Bowers has done his job, and Wari's helped out, and they've got good, solid receivers. Stanford, they'll get something from Bryce Love, but remember, that ankle is still tweaked. So why he might go strong like he did on that TV game against Washington last night or last week on a Friday night, not going to be the same here. He's going to be hurting a little bit, and I think this game, if Cal doesn't win it straight up, will fall between 7 and 10 points, Stanford winning by no more than 10. So likes Cal, the smart money likes Cal. That's number two. Brad likes Cal. Yeah, and not only the situational spot, a negative for Stanford. It's a sandwich game off of Washington, Notre Dame on deck. But Cal's coming off a bye week, which is very important when you got a first-year coach. You can tweak some things. And maybe being a first-year head coach, we haven't seen, uh, you know, as far as scouting on the other side, the greatest thing. And I'll say this, Cal, much different than what we've seen from Cal the last five years. Stanford's owned them. Five straight wins, five straight covers, all by double digits. This Cal is a, this Cal's team is a lot built similarly to compete with Stanford. No pass-happy offense. They play much better defense. I think they can go toe-for-toe, toe, great spot, like Cal, plus the points. All right, that's number three. Fez, you make it four. Yep, like the dog here. Not just playing Washington on Friday night, tear down the goalpost type of win, but a really tough physical game at Washington State the week before. Tremendous scheduling edge, edge for the underdog. So, Fez, you're a master at predicting line moves. You do it for free up. When do you put up your NFL line move predictions? Typically either Tuesday night or Thursday. So there is no typical if there's two. Tuesday more likely. (laughs) (laughs) You're saying randomly you put them up. I shoot for Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) As Sipowitz would say on NYPD Blue, he goes, that's a good place to set your true north. Since they pulled me into the college pod, RJ, I'm finding there's not enough hours in the day. Oh, wait a minute. So it's like Brad's complaining he has to give lanes. You're complaining that you're getting to speak to all these people on the pod and help them win. Think about them. I bet this part, think about it. Let's just say we take people's win percentage up by 2%. Whatever it is, if it's 50, it gets to 52. Okay. They, they're they still not winning, but they're winning. They're still not profitable, right? You need 52.4. But if you go up 2% and let's say we have 100,000 people on average listening to the college, more in the NFL, and the average batter is betting maybe a hundred get hundred bucks a weekend, maybe maybe a little bit more. Let's say two hundred a weekend. So a hundred thousand move the decimal place twice, so that becomes ten million, and then twenty million in play. Then would be the theory if a hundred thousand people are betting two hundred. I double it because I think the average listener to this dream pod probably bets more on average because you've got some thousand dollar. So think about it. Twenty million in action. So every 1% is going to be a hundred or $200,000. So if we help people by 2%, it'd be $400,000 a week. Maddie Holt is not happy with us at CGT. That's hurting. I never margin. thought of that. Yeah. So, so in theory, there's millions and millions and, yeah. and you know, it all wraps around to Fez. You're complaining about it. And Helping at- people save millions of losses. And now you're asking me for a line forecast. And my answer in this game is, RJ, I really do not know because it's a 5 p.m. late game with a public team here, the favorite that the public's going to bet, but the wise guys are going to love the dog. It could go up or down. But I will say this, more often than not, the big money, the real money is going to come in on the right side and dominate the public. I would guess it would likely go down. 
Brad, you and Fez have become friends. How does it feel that that saving millions to, for listeners doesn't? He's more worried about like getting an extra hour of sleep. What, what do you think of that? Well, now now that we're friends, well, I was kind of with him a little bit because I was complaining earlier. But I guess you've I know. shown me a so little I bit. I guess of light. I, me and Ken are the only ones that with the purity of heart. I guess every Tuesday night, Brad and I have a text or a phone conversation, like at eleven thirty midnight, saying, "You know what? We'll finish your, your, your this. mother off and me. We'll finish <laughs> this. We'll finish this at let's finish this at seven a.m. tomorrow, and we'll go over that <laughs> aspect of the job. Three games left. Three best bets. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. I'm dancing a little bit. I can't lie. All right, Fez. Your best bet. Give us a piece of your mind. RJ, I think you're upset that I've complained too much in this podcast, so we're going to come give, strong. Give us, give us a winner, baby. With this one, yes. We're going to go to game 416 Michigan. At Wisconsin, we're going under the 41. I really like this play. Wisconsin, their defense all year long has given up maximum of 17 points to their opponent's offense. They did give up 24 points in one game, but that was because of a pick six given up. So the most any team has gotten against them is 17. We all know Michigan struggles to score. How they're going to get 17 would be a leap of faith. So give Michigan 13, 14 points. Let's call it 13. Whiskey's only laying seven half in this game. The reason they're only laying seven half is Michigan has only given up more than 20 points once all year long. So Wisconsin, they're a grinded out, run a lot type of team. We'll give them 20 points. Second best effort against Michigan all year long. We get to 20 to 13. We go comfortably under the 41. Best bet from Faz. Guys, anything that you disagree with, anything strong, because I think he made a heck of a case. No, and, and I think, I'm sorry, and I think the weather is going to agree. It's going to be rainy, snowy. It's going to be nasty there. The only concern you have is turnovers, where where they happen. Hopefully they happen in the middle of the field. And, and I'll add to it a little bit of a phony higher scoring game last week involving Wisconsin, where Iowa's only two touchdowns came via pick sixes. Wisconsin's defense, even better than the scoreboard showed, only allowed five first downs last week to Iowa. That Iowa team that put up 55 points. On some team from Columbus. And remember, Michigan has done this all year long. We've seen fluky touchdowns in their game, starting with the week one game against Florida that somehow went over because of crazy scores. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. You talk about running. Brandon Peters, the freshman that has stepped in at quarterback, only threw the ball 18 times last week, threw it less than that the week before, so they're being really careful with him as far as him throwing the ball and only threw for 145 last week. So run, run, run. Clock keeps going. Good call, Fez. All right, good stuff there. Next up, Ken. And listen, Ken's a radio guy. We talked about his show earlier, but you th- I know a lot of radio guys that talk gambling that don't bet or don't bet real amounts. Ken, as Fez can attest to, because you, you, you put in his pieces sometimes, Ken actually bets his games and especially his best bet. So let's give him a little ow. What are you doing? Why does guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll? Best bet, Ken. There you go. Going to go with Missouri, the hot team that's covered six in a row. They've won four in a row. They're sitting right there on the door knocking in as far as getting a bowl game. Can they get it? They need one of their last two games, either this one here uh, or they're going to have to win next week at Arkansas. And I really think that this team's just playing good ball. I mean, uh, when you look at Odom, the coach, a lot of people thought he may be out. Now, with this offense, with Lockett quarterback, they're just dominating and they're just going up and down the field and they just destroyed Florida. And I like to see it. I like to see a team that... Gets that momentum. And we saw Vandy really struggle 
last week offensively and defensively. I mean, they just got torched at home by Kentucky. So now they come off that, and Derek Mason's team is second-guessing their defense, which was supposed to be their trademark there. So everything clicking the right way for me. Missouri's offense clicking on a high cylinder, and Vandy's defense, which is their strength, really going backwards. I think Missouri's going to roll easily by double digits. I'm laying eight, my best bet. And this is an example, not a marquee game, but when we go to the best bets, it's something that we really focus on is getting getting the best game possible for the listeners. Anyone disagree? Anyone feel adamantly that he's right? I agree with him here. And look, the one thing that I do like is this Barry Odom, the head coach, has had an ax to grind. He is not afraid to run it up. We'll continue to run his offense for all four quarters. So if it's they're up seven and needing the score, they're not going to sit on the ball. They're going to continue to run their offense. So I wouldn't be afraid if you're up seven and they're willing to go and get that 14. I have a question for Ken. Missouri, when they started the year, went ultra fast. And I think that there was a shock to the players. They were trying maybe to go too fast. It certainly took about a month to acclimate. That acclimation period is now complete, right? I agree. And uh, I think Odom has taken... Uh, time now to kind of look at the weaknesses on the other team that he's playing, and they're exploiting those much more. They are taking their time. They're not haste makes waste. They're taking care of business, and they're using their strength, and their strength is moving fast, but not so fast that it hurts them. Ken, that Fez knows some college football. Oh, he's working on it. He's getting better. (laughs) Ken Thompson on Twitter. We got Brad's best bet coming up. Ken Thompson on Twitter, at SportsXRadio. Fez on Twitter, at Fezzik Sports, F-E-Z-Z-I-K. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. That's right, Stephen A. And Brad Powers, Brad Powers, Brad Powers 7, the number 7, Brad Powers 7. Best bet time. Yeah, we're going to go down to the SEC, and we're going to play on the biggest sandwich spot, play against it in college football, I think, this year. Auburn off the huge win against number 1 Georgia last week. With Alabama, the Iron Bowl on deck. They're playing Louisiana Monroe. Guys, this Bud's for you. And by Bud, I mean big, ugly dog. Give me UL Monroe plus 37. Not only is Auburn in a sandwich spot, but UL Monroe comes in off a bye. So nice spot for them. How does Auburn do as a big favorite? Not good. 2-10 and 10 against the spread, laying 20 or more. And how about 30-plus point underdogs or more this season? 57-21 and 21 against the spread if you're a 30 or more point underdog. And finally, for me, if I'm going to back a big dog, I got to be able to know that I can get a backdoor cover. This UL Monroe offense averaging 37 points per game and nearly 500 yards per game. Perfectly capable of getting the backdoor. Give me UL Monroe, the Warhawks, as my best bet. You know, I saw him in front of the mirror and then he was talking and kind of looking at his face. So when you came up with that acronym, is that new? Did you just come up with no, that? No, I, I got to tip the cap to Mark Lawrence playbook. This oh, butts for you. Okay. Big ugly dog. Okay. Guys, you agree? Agree strongly. This isn't just a sandwich spot. This is a Dagwood sandwich with like five triple decker layers to it. <laughs> <laughs> See, fast is all you, you ever notice he steps on my funny lines. Yeah. Then he tries to like one up your, your saying. Did you get a lot of attention as a kid, Fez? I got picked on in chess club. <laughs> well, that but, was I mean, attention. Did your, that did was, your pa- but did your wasn't par- good attention, but it was par- attention. But did your parents like your siblings more? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, admit it's the first time. Ken, <laughs> Ken, do you agree or disagree? I agree. I'm, I'm hoping Brad gets this one because it sounds great. Hey, guys, a lot of fun. A lot of information from the boys. Kudos, guys. Great show today. 
There is no weekday pod. There wasn't a game worth it. We will have one in the NFL. And oh, by the way, NFL Dream Preview every Thursday. Fez and me. Talk to you there. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Now on Podcast One Sports, it's a family affair on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. We're going to attack this day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Hear incredible stories on Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast. Oh my. And guess who's talking America's favorite basketball team. Hey, it's Jay Moore and it is time for America's Lakers podcast. Listen on Apple Podcasts, the new Podcast One app. And where else, Jay? PodcastOne.com. Um...